sometimes I'm a soft talker myself. I, I all the time on stage will ask whoever's running the, the sound booth. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. a soft talker. Can you amp this up? Because yeah. I like to I like to have the control to do voices and stuff like that on stage rather yeah. than I hate eating the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I I'm usually a soft talker off stage, but then when I get on stage, I don't I don't know if I just like instinctively talk louder into the mic but like and sometimes i don't know it depends on the acoustics like sometimes i'll talk i'll try to talk so loud so that i can hear myself coming out of the speakers right but sometimes they're like facing away so that if i do that i feel like oh i'm probably overcompensating now yeah yeah i'm just blowing out speakers left and right dude i've blown out a (laughs) a speaker or two in my i think i've broken on accident Every piece of equipment uh, at some point. Old Hurricane Watkins. I mean, you know me. I you know, know me you. from from so many mics and so many shows and so many bits that... And Soul Train. And Soul Train. And so many things that no longer have see the light of day. Yeah. Um, I still laugh about... <laughs> in Bruco, the chair that you oh you that was a fun one yeah well you weren't even on stage you were just someone else was on stage and you were like pretending to laugh so violently <laughs> you like broke the chair you were in. <laughs> yeah looking back at uh fun for us pretty obnoxious moment for yeah. uh george did not appreciate yeah that was his name right george was it I think so. The owner. Oh yeah, there was. Well, there's a chair. There's a little backstory on this. There's a chair that was already breaking. Yes. And I was like, "Wow, all right, we could dispose of it, or we could do something fun with it." <laughs> Let me do him a favor. Let me do him a favor. So, basically, uh, there's a comic on stage, and there was like none of us at this open mic. There's hardly any of us it was there. The end of the night. The uh, whatever audience that would have been there had already left yeah it's just comics that are just like trying stuff out for each other so it wasn't that disrespectful (laughs) (laughs) where i'm doing this to a comic who's like in front of a a full crowd so i start so a comic tries out a joke i forget even who's on stage i don't remember but i basically uh start acting like i'm laughing so hard and hitting my 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 knee and then i start going back and forth that I fall out of the chair, and then when I try to get up back onto the chair, I keep putting all my weight onto it because I know it's You're breaking. Like pressing down, like, <laughs> all your weight. And it just starts crunching, and, the, like, there's wood starting to yeah, fly. Yeah, it's, like, splintering. Yeah. Did, did anyone catch that on video? I feel like there is a video of it somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. I don't yeah. know who, though. Yeah. Did I? Maybe, Maybe I did. It, it was one of those things where back in the day we used to randomly just like. This is really before cell phones really took off with video. So like, yeah. everybody always had like a flip camera, yeah, or like just a little like a camcorder. Grainy, <laughs> the worst quality video. The worst quality. I still have the video of you singing to these random girls outside of Bruco. You had the guitar. <laughs> what on it? Yeah, and you just like <laughs> made up a song on the spot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they were digging it. They were like at first very dismissive of us because 
you know, they probably thought we were like hitting on them. Of which course. I'm sure some of us were. Yeah. But um, it was like I was trying to tell Ryan Coleman because it was his guitar, I think. Yeah. And I was trying to tell him, like, dude, just just hit on them. Or, serenade like, do those girls serenade with yeah. the guitar. You're good at music. He, oh, he was a great dude, voice. He, has, he had a great voice and he could play guitar really but, well. Yeah. But he was like so like bashful he's like remember his little giggle like, <laughs> no, he's like no. I, don't, I don't know if i could do yeah. that yeah no and then you just stepped in and, and i go like, i go i literally i was like really you're not gonna do this and you're a great guitarist <laughs> and great singer i said give me your guitar <laughs> and i kind of showed him up like like uh <laughs> yeah in the moment it was great yeah uh welcome Back to another Jeremiah Wonders Roadcast. We're on the road right now. Uh, we're headed to Sunnyvale, California. Sunnyvale. Me and my buddy Omar Nava, one of my uh, longest running pals in comedy. Uh, we started together in uh, L.A. around the same time doing open mics and uh, have just been friends for a very long time. 13 years, my friend. Going on 14 that's crazy. Yeah, because I moved here in 2010. I think you were here just a little before that. Yeah, 2009, but yeah. I started stand-up in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Uh, January. I was one of those New Year's resolution comics that you, you hear so much about. Those guys. Those guys. And girls. And girls. And girls. And? And they's. You know? Them's. Yeah. <laughs> All the above. Uh, but yeah, we're just uh, reminiscing about, we were talking about... Um, earlier in the car just about some different stuff but yeah there's this there's this place bruco that we used to go to that is now a crab place yeah like a i don't know if it's an official crab shack or a crab shack knockoff right but yeah they they do crab <clears throat> they do crab it's like a boiling crab or one of those kind something of like that yeah uh but it was on the campus right outside of ucla <clears throat> and we would bark and get college students into the show and it was just where a lot of us from our class of comics cut our teeth of how to deal with hecklers, oh, how, yeah. to, how to do crowd work, uh, yeah. and then just how to captivate and hold an audience's attention. Because if they didn't like you, they would literally look at you, stand up, and walk out right in front of your face. No manners whatsoever. Just yeah. like if this is like – and they, you'd hear on the way out, that guy's not funny. Like, like literally <laughs> – You'd be like crushed, so you were you had to crush or or be crushed. Yeah, it was sink or swim out there. Yeah, and it was a great, um, like a great setup at least for like an open mic, because uh, like downstairs was the bar, so people were getting drunk, and then upstairs they had the two rooms, the room where we did comedy open mic. Yeah, and, and then, then our the, greatest adversary, <laughs> our nemesis, <laughs> our nemesis, the karaoke room. Yeah, so a Which, lot of probably contributes honestly to part of like i've always liked singing and stuff but i probably contributes to why i still sing in part of my act and stuff like that oh you because think so? i think a little bit like i've always liked doing it but like yeah. i knew that when i did singing bits in the bruco room i was like yeah forget that karaoke room over here yeah. if, if i'm doing a little bit of singing within the comedy it'll keep them engaged and those bits always did well and i i mean i still yeah i still i keep writing new 
music bits that end up in my act and stuff. Here's the thing. You can sing in comedy. You can't make jokes in karaoke. Hey. Hey. Very true. Um, very, but yeah, these, a lot of these kids would just go sign up for the karaoke. <laughs> Dude, and then you... while they're waiting for their turn, just come watch us. I just had the image of uh, somebody signing up for karaoke. And they're like, hi, um. Could I do Eddie Murphy raw, please? <laughs> and they're just, yeah, just doing like it has all like like the words on screen and stuff like that. <laughs> that's so funny. That'd be a fun. That'd be a fun. Uh, yeah. I don't know something. I don't know. I don't it's, know how you get something. that across. It's, it's a something. It's something. It's a sketch, maybe. Yeah. Cutaway. Now, scene. what what are all these plants that you see out here? Do you think uh, these look like trees? This looks like a baby orchard. I'm getting some weird frequencies on uh, this drive. I'm wondering if it's the semis or if it's even showing up. I think we got it. Anyway, if it doesn't show up in in, in the audio, uh, people just think I'm having a stroke or something. Yeah. What are these weird? Why does it smell like toast out yeah, here? Why what do is, you think? What, what are those? You call them trees? <laughs> I'm just completely having yeah, a full-on meltdown. goes like melting. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to Sunnyvale. So, yeah, I'm going to do comedy a long time. Long time. Uh, we were talking about this. This kind of blew my mind uh, a little earlier. We had this uh, in common where when we were first starting to go to the comedy store together. There's a, a talent coordinator that was kind of feared by a lot of people. He had a lot of swing. He had a lot of pull. He had a lot of power. And he, he liked to kind of remind you of it not like explicitly oh, but yeah. like he would he definitely would wield he knew that he would put he you in your place a lot he, oh, yeah. he liked he liked the power <clears throat> of wielding the gatekeeper title yeah. he really enjoyed having that over comics and over people and having comics do some groveling honestly he liked them going because what it felt like is at the comedy store when you walk up in the original room there's about four or five stairs before you enter to the ticket booth of where the original room is before you're led into the original room. Yeah. Uh, now, as an audience member, this is a very normal set of stairs. But as a comic who's intimidated and maybe not 100% self-assured, not totally confident in yourself yet, and you're developing, you're really inside your head, to me, those flight of stairs when i would see him in that booth yeah. it felt like a castle that you were like walking <clears throat> up to you know battle a dragon or yeah. something like that well it was like he was the figurative gatekeeper but also the literal gatekeeper like he yeah. would work the box office for the open mic and just stand there so he's also decided, like, if you, like, as a comic, if you wanted to hang out, you'd have to go through him yeah. and be like, hey, can can I come in? And right. he's literally the guy and the decision maker who's, you know, you're staring and looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's keeping time. Like, that, that was another intimidating thing. If you ran the light back in the day, he kept the time. You had yeah. to answer to him. Like at the mic and, and and on the shows in the original room, so that that added an intimidating factor. Like, oh, I can't run the light. Like, literally, right, like the guy the who's guy. booking me is literally on the light, timing me, so he knows if I run or not. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah very intimidating. But he uh, he got let go from the comedy store, we'll say, to put it nicely. <laughs> uh, and Omar told me that years after he was no longer the store, Omar went and visited him in Honduras. <laughs> what the frick? <laughs> Let's talk about this for a quick second because anybody uh, who knew uh, Tommy at the comedy store, and this is very inside L.A. baseball, so I'm trying to, to break it down for our listeners uh, basically, this guy was a big shot. He was a big deal. He held a lot of power. That's all the, what you need to know. And yeah. he held a lot of power for, what, a decade almost in, in yeah, L.A.? I'm not exactly sure when Maybe he not started. That long, but, but, yeah, for quite a few years, he was the guy who, more or less, I think there was a little more input also, but... I think he was the guy who said who would get passed. No, he was. And there uh, wasn't like yeah. a committee like there is kind of now where there's a little bit more checks and balances where there's a showcase process with multiple people that have to see you. He was the guy, make or break, uh, to both, I think, Omar and I, which is a frustrating thing, kind of alluded and kind of promised and kind of dangled the carrot of Hey, I'm going to make you a paid regular, yeah. you know, like Quite a few times kind of teased it. Not, not, I don't know if he was teasing or if it was yeah. actual true, but yeah, who was, knows if there was real yeah, follow through or not, he, but he got fired before yeah, he passed either one of us. He made it seem like it was right around the corner for both of us. Yeah. Uh, and then he was let go. Yep. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> Omar, you said that you ran into him in Honduras because you were working a cruise in the area, yeah? Yeah, so uh, I used to work on cruise ships, do, doing stand-up on cruise ships, and one of the routes that was uh, like a very common, like for this cruise line, r Caribbean route, I always stopped in Roatan, Honduras. Um, so I'd, I'd done this route like a handful of times, and... For those who don't know, Roatan, it's like this, like, island right off the coast of Honduras, and they have, like, really good snorkeling there. Like, I guess it's, like, a pretty big, um, but also, well, like, big, but, like, also kind of, like, secretive. Like, not too many people know about it. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, like, I'm still friends with this guy on Facebook, Tommy, and I saw something about him, like, performing in Honduras. And, because uh, he also, he would do guitar and like play music he's like a singer songwriter type as well um so yeah like after he was let go of the store i guess he moved down there and was just like performing and so i messaged him i, I think i googled like what hotel he was at and it turned out to be on roatan honduras so yeah i just messaged him like right before uh, a cruise a contract that i had that was gonna go out there and I was like, hey, Tommy, uh, do you live on this island? Like, I'm going to be there for my cruise. Like, we always stop there. Uh, it's going to be these dates. Are you going to be around? And he was like, yeah, come on down. Uh, I'm on this side of the island. Just let's meet at this caf cafe or, or resort. And I was like, all right. So I went down there. I asked the other comic uh, that I was working with that week if he wanted to go with me. And I also just assumed he knew Tommy because, like, I was telling you, like, how we were saying he's this big gatekeeper of, like, the biggest comedy club in L.A. And, and you find out, like, later on, you're like, oh, like, we built him up in our bubble and our community. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Because he 
was the gatekeeper of our club that we had to kind of answer to if we ran yeah. the light that we had to like grovel in front of to and it feels monumental to yeah, us yeah yeah so we're starting out we're like this is the guy so we just Everyone, assume like you don't, you know who tommy yeah. is right you know saint peter of yeah. comedy yeah yeah at the pearly gates uh-huh um yeah so i just assumed anyone who passed through la and wanted to perform at the comedy store knew this guy and i asked this other comic friend of mine uh from the cruise his name's mike uh he's based out of cleveland i was like yeah yeah tommy you know tommy he's like nah, <laughs> nah the, i don't think i know him. by the way tommy is notorious for giving good advice to some people but also saying some pretty rough things to some different comics like i guess hannibal burris came in oh, and really? uh he did, wouldn't put him up he goes i see you as more of a writer I was like, what the frick? All and this right. is like when he like had a lot of stuff going on yeah. and stuff like that. <clears throat> I feel like Tommy would hear stories of what Mitzi would do to people back in the day. Mm. And he's like, well, I'm going to do something like that. Like, yeah. And I, th I feel like he would do his own interpretation of like saying like really extreme things to different comics just so stories would kind of circulate about him. Yeah. And I also think he, he – I think he had a sort of almost outdated – idea of like what a what a roster like a comedy roster should look like like sure. i truly think he was trying to check boxes no he was like, yeah because so i used to have really long hair when i moved to la like it was like down to here to my shoulder uh-huh um and a lot of people thought i looked native american and then i i like wrote jokes about how i looked a native american with my hair and i t i was told this by tony hinchcliffe we went to do la jolla comedy store together and on the ride back he told me, he was like, yeah, man, shouldn't have cut your hair. I go, what? He's like, yeah, Tommy was fast tracking you because they didn't have a Native American comic like on <laughs> on the squad, on the roster. Oh, my And even though goodness. I wasn't Native American, you it was looked like it I, enough. Had, I had the look and I could have, you know, checked that box. <laughs> so I cut my hair and uh, sabotaged my career. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I think he just had like a, like you said, like maybe he picked things up from Mitzi from like the seventies or eighties. So like, this is what we need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my friend Mike, he'd never heard of this or, or like, I think he like maybe, you know, I'd heard of him, but he, there was no like awe and like reverence like we had for Yeah. Him. He's like, okay, some dude. Yeah, he's like, all right. Yeah. Um, and so we go and we meet him and he looks just like he did tommy with his muscle shirt his classic you know whenever he'd take off his like his comedy store shirt he just had like a like a white muscle shirt on yeah and uh and he seemed very happy like he seemed like happy to be there but then the conversation just like, I don't remember a lot of the specifics, but the general vibe I got was that he was still very bitter about getting ousted from the comedy store. Sure. And I think having all that power basically stripped from him. Probably because, was pretty hard. Harsh reality check. Yeah. Because, like, I, and, you know, I, I can't imagine what's going on in his head. But for me, it's like, because this was years later, too. It wasn't even, like, the month after he was let go. It was, like, years later. In my head, I just assumed, you know, you might have, like, moved on and just been happy to live in paradise every day, performing yeah. for 
tourists and that are probably so happy to be yeah. there. Uh, but he just like was talking about the comedy store and people and like kind of like you could tell there was like a sort of uh, uh, disdain for people who like kind of he felt wronged him and how he felt the whole situation uh, was like unfair to him. And well, you stop having also like people give you free stuff and like yeah. treat you a certain way because you don't have that power anymore. So it's yeah. probably just like, oh, this sucks. Right. <sighs> like just to all of a sudden lose all that respect or fear that you thought was respect. Well, th there's also another infamous story that he passed one guy so he could get free studio time with him. Oh, like really? Whatever he wanted. Yeah. Oh, wow. As a musician. Yeah. Because he had a legit like studio set up and he's like all right i'll make your pain regular <laughs> wow yeah um but yeah so that was that was like the conversation like i said i don't remember exactly what we talked about but it just you i got this sense of like oh he's not over it like he still <laughs> feels important like he still feels like he deserves to be on the throne yeah um and yeah and then like he, he did most of the talking like afterwards uh, he like at the end kind of asked me a few questions like how's the cruise how's comedy whatever um, but like the most the majority of the conversation was him talking at us and afterwards Mike and I were leaving and he was like man that guy's an asshole <laughs> I was like yeah he's like yeah I know that type just like uh, self important like you well, know he didn't even talk to us like he didn't ask me a single question I'm a comedian I've been doing it for like 30 years or whatever yeah didn't ask me a single thing about my life right. and i was like yeah that's, that's one true. of the the number one signs of a uh, a narcissist is yeah. uh never asking the other person like if it's all a one-sided conversation the entire time yeah then that's yeah <clears throat> i think it was i'm not defending him but i think another thing was he might have tommy might have been dismissive of mike because mike mostly does cruises and like golf uh clubs and things like that like i don't know that he performs at like many like clubs anymore yeah. or at least like not the big city clubs i think he performs at clubs around the midwest well and also tommy uh, you know the store was the ultimate so it's like if you didn't yeah. perform there then who are you yeah exactly that kind of that so kind of thing i think he did ask him like maybe like once like at the beginning like where do you like where where have you performed or whatever and he told him like oh, i do cruises or i do whatever in cleveland and um, oh, this guy's a boat yucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boat yucker. That's so funny. This guy's a ship giggler. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think he when he found that out, I think he immediately dismissed him and sure focused his ire on me. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. yeah, it was it was it was crazy. And I took this photo with him. And I told myself I was going to post it on social media and been like, you know, like it would have just been literally for us, like you were saying, yeah. like inside baseball, just like the L.A. comedy community and just been like, yeah, this cruise was great. The got to see the sights of Roatan. But then I just kind of forgot to. Can we uh, include it in this episode? Sure. Yeah, I'll text it to you. Here's here. Here's the picture. right here, guys. <laughs> in all its glory. Wow. The joke with uh, Tommy was that he looked like, uh, um, who's the Tom Petty? Tom Petty, yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. the hair. So yeah, you might see that in the photo. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's so 
if there's any comedians listening or like anybody who's like in in or outside the business it's just a a good reminder is some things are completely out of your control yeah and sometimes it doesn't matter how talented you are or funny you are as a comic there's other things and other motives that are going on that you might deserve the spot or you might deserve to be at a certain club or this goes for certain jobs too but like sometimes it's out of your control and you just got to keep pushing forward because in my opinion those people get phased out and you will find your your right space if you keep working hard i i I just i truly believe that yeah because it's it's just there's so much behind the scenes stuff sometimes that that like that we're unaware of that we're like, Oh, this has nothing to do with like whether they even think I'm good enough or funny enough or whatever. Like right. they're like, Oh, I, I was planning on, uh, you know, booking this type of person. Like yeah, I want yeah. this slot to be filled. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, keep that in mind with like JFL showcases and comedy clubs. Like Jeremiah yeah. said, like sometimes, sometimes they are like checking a box and it doesn't have to be as, racist as we need a Indian comic but you know it'll be like you know we need like a low energy or like we need a high energy physical act or whatever so yeah you never know what people are thinking like why they make their choices now uh, we're going through some golden wheat fields it looks like ah yes reminds me of settling this island nation I once visited called Catan Oh, dude, we've gotten down on some Catan over the years, my friend. Yes, sir. I love me some Catan. Am I the best player? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I have a good time doing it, and I have a good time losing, and it fuels me to want to play again because I'm the kind of player who, as soon as I lose, I say, run it back. <laughs> Reset the board. Reset the board. Nobody's going, going anywhere. Lock the doors. <laughs> Your boy is playing again until he gets at least one W. <laughs> Do you uh, do you do you like build alliances or are you pretty quick to like burn bridges and like you know I I, tr- I try to uh, build somewhat alliances like like are we cool are we cool but yeah. then like I I see red after a while if somebody's starting to make certain moves I'm like oh I'm just done with you <laughs> <laughs> screw you dude yeah pretty much I I'm usually like just a nice like i won't i won't be like vindictive like oh no you put the robber on me you're excommunicated i'm very petty (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'll I'll still like trade with people yeah because it's all like whenever i'm trading it's to help me you know it's like i'm not just gonna trade to help someone else um so like i'm like nice about it and kylie hates that that you're nice well it's because you'll still do business with people after they screw you over it's not even that it's just because like because when I'm nice and like I, I don't burn any bridges, I'm still like, you know, happy to trade with anyone. Yeah. Then it ends up helping me. And so not that I win more often than not, but whenever I play with Kylie, I win more often than not. Sure. And so she just gets mad. She's like, this is what he does, people. <laughs> like, Watch I'm just out. like happy to trade. Like, no, this is what he does. Yeah. He gets on your good side. Uh-huh. And you might be trading to help yourself build a road, but he's going to drop like three cities right now. <laughs> And so, you know. Are you good at Monopoly? I think so. <laughs> it's been so long since I've played. But also the game never ends, so I don't I don't even know. It's Maybe. true. Yeah. Yeah, I love Monopoly. 
If my, people are down to play, I freaking love Monopoly. Uh, my brother and I had like, did you ever have those games that just lasted for weeks? Yes. We would like move the board yep. like ever so gently to like make sure nothing shook and anything. And like, uh, I think we like tried to have like our other brother like count the money to make sure, you know, like none of us was cheating, putting it back out. God. That's a fun, simple time. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. just so focused on that. We had, we had, uh, did you ever the different kinds of Monopoly? Did you ever play any of those? Uh, yeah, we never owned any, but I've, over the years, have played some of those random ones. We owned a Star Wars version, and that was fun. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, Baltic was like the swamps of Dagobah. All right. Yeah. All right. yeah. So, that was cool. Nerd. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did flip over the camera. <laughs> you snapped the headpieces. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Happened, dog. Uh, that's cool. What were the little icons? They weren't still the shoe and the iron, were they? No, it was dope. It was uh, like a TIE fighter, okay. uh, an X-Wing, a Y-Wing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cool. I think there was even like a, a Han Solo and Carbonite as one of the pieces. Oh, I, that'll be fun. I think so. Yeah. I might be making that last one up, but I feel <laughs> like... Uh, yeah, if it wasn't, it should have been. I know, yeah, yeah. Like, I felt like I'm like, I don't know if I'm like suggesting ideas to them now yeah, or like I, he literally was a life-size yeah piece right. monopoly piece right uh that's cool i recently played this god this like crazy speaking of nerds uh this like crazy board game that like it <laughs> drop I, a comment if you nerds are still listening right now you yeah. like this hot content about Catan, board star games. wars monopoly board games but continue We have some extra pocket change for that Black Friday shopping with DraftKings. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SACS. New customers can bet 5 bucks on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code SAX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. DraftKings, get inside the game in all the sports and all the betting because you're going to like the way you feel after you do the DraftKings. Come on, give them the best on Black Friday. This game, it's called like Return to Dark Tower and I, I showed up to a friend's house recently and they just had it already set up. And Did like, they make right. a movie out of the Dark Tower or is this something completely different? Maybe. So okay. they apparently this game, the Dark Tower was a game in the 80s and there was this tower that was like like mechanically operate like you'd put batteries in and it had like little motors and stuff and it would like turn and like drop things and stuff and i think this is 
an Idris Elba movie. Oh, interesting. Maybe. Maybe. But. So I guess like this this game is like pretty sought after by like collectors because the tower, you know, it was like the eighties, so like the electronics like fell apart, like yeah. broke very quickly. Yeah. So if you find a version with like a working tower, an original, I'm assuming it goes for like thousands of dollars. Wow. But um so my friend, he like his dad had it, but the tower's broken, so he never got to play it. So he saw like a Kickstarter for this company, like you know, bought the rights to like make the sequel uh, or make a version of it. So they made a sequel, but it's like got they're using like current technology. So the tower is like huge; it's like this tall, like a looks like an obsidian obelisk, mm-hmm. but inside it's got like all these motors and stuff, and it's connected via Bluetooth. So like you run. It's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons meets Catan. So there's like a dungeon master, but it's like an app that guides you through the story. And after every turn, it like the tower does something and the app updates, whatever, whatever. It was pretty intense. We played for three hours and lost. Yo, I'm low-key excited about this. (laughs) You want to go play? I mean, might have to happen. (laughs) We can go. uh, You remember that episode of Seinfeld where they go to that girl's house and she has all the old school games and jerry like gives her like turkey and wine so that she falls asleep and while she's sleeping he just like plays with the games that's so funny <laughs> we can do that with them. okay cool yeah, yeah cool except we need them we need four people because so, it's a collaborative game so the uh the improv just had their uh <clears throat> 60th anniversary yeah uh and i uh, i was actually surprised there were some old school comics that decided to show up uh i saw jay leno there i saw oh, right. larry david and i was shocked that larry david showed up yeah and i guess i was talking i forget who it was uh i was talking to one of the the comics and they decided to go up to larry david (laughs) i'm laughing because he already told me he already told me yeah yeah yeah. keep going I, i i haven't shared it on the podcast yet um this this girl is a giant fan comic as well walks up to larry david and goes Larry, I just like interrupted whatever, wherever he's at. I was like, Larry, I just want to let you know. I just think that you're so amazing and uh, I love all of your work. And he just goes, eh. <laughs> Dude, I got legit so happy when she told me that story. Cause, and she was even laughing when she told the story because she's like, she got a Larry David moment. Yeah, yeah, out the of most the story. Larry David reaction. The, yeah. Like, why, why are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this? I'm talking here. Yeah, is it? You think after 60 years, you know? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, dude, classic, classic LD, <laughs> classic Larry David. Yeah, man. Um, you didn't talk to those guys, right? Jay Leno or Larry David? No, I was. Yeah, uh, uh, this is just constantly showing you where where you're at on the totem pole. I was. Uh, trying to step onto the uh the red carpet for a photo uh-huh. and uh jay leno pulls up and they like all but threw me off of the red carpet <laughs> to get jay leno on so he could walk straight on because yeah. they didn't want him waiting you know no because otherwise they probably would have lost their their one chance at getting a photo of him yeah, there. yeah, yeah. and i get it but it was very like I was like, hey, and they're like, excuse me, Jay's here. Like, like, <laughs> like I was like, okay, like, can you can you move your nose out of yeah. the way? I'm like, oh, it's gonna take a while. Right. He's gonna have to walk around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely. Uh, I was like, I was like, I'll come back later. It's not a big deal. 
Like some yeah. people think that you are gonna be aggressive, and you're like, dude, I don't, I don't care. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's a photo. I can Photoshop myself in there later. Yeah, <laughs> hugging Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, my nose and his chin in one picture. That's a sight to see, my friend. Or somebody photoshopping my nose on his face. <laughs> the so, profiles just, just like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They finally like are in harmony. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this quarter crescent moon? Yeah. What fellow? is going on? <laughs> somebody needs to photoshop that. Whoever's yeah. listening or watching, uh, if you can photoshop my nose profile on Jay Leno. There you go, there ladies you go. and gents. There you are. Yeah, you heard about this? Uh, you heard about this? Uh, I'm congested and um, also uh, can't get any of my chin straps to work on my football helmet. What's going <laughs> on here? <laughs> Classic Jay Leno joke. Classic. <clears throat> Passing by some power lines. Yeah. I actually didn't grow up with any power lines that looked quite like this. I, th I think, I mean, these are like special power lines that are these like, are like industrial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like providing power to like, you know, a whole city. It looks like. Yeah. Like it when looks you're like in your city on. or town, yeah, they're just like regular, like telephone pole type. Yeah. Yeah. This looks like, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe they're coming from like a solar farm or something or a wind farm or yeah. Uh, you guys can't see, but Omar, use your mind's eye. Omar, it was your birthday, that one karaoke birthday. Do you remember? No, no, wait. It was Michelle. It was Michelle's. Uh, yeah, Michelle Livio's birthday. Yeah, it was her birthday. Yeah. That one night. That was like, that's like a time stamp to me of when I was like, I'm going to be friends with Omar forever. Because <laughs> we both sang Journey karaoke yeah. and we Don't both stop believing i mean it's yes it's a hack song at this point but 10 years ago was it had yeah. it been hacked yet <laughs> 13 years ago we don't know it we probably know. was yeah i mean we were open mic comics so we so were, we're like yeah 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 exactly <laughs> so we're like we're gonna choose something that's gonna tear the roof off yeah. the place i bet you guys never heard this one so we sang a duet of that and that was to me yeah. like a stamp in time where i was and like we, this guy's awesome and we went in it wasn't we just did. like uh don't stop it no. was like dude fully going for it fully committing hitting the high battle notes. Both, yep. i had long hair you had your longer hair yeah 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 dude yeah it was a uh, yeah same. I think of that memory, and I'm like, oh yeah, me and Jeremiah are gonna be buddies. And also me, you, and Gil Garibaldo, and I'm sure there's a couple other comics as well. But us riffing in the rain for like hours outside of Cafe Muse. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but there's just some nights where like where it'd just be raining, but like we didn't want to go to our cars or we didn't want to go home, so we'd just be standing in the rain, like <laughs> riffing outside. Yeah. Or we'd go back to my porch. That porch, um, we used to have um, the spot on uh, where I used to live in my first place in LA, where there was an old school magical energy that brought all these comics together at the end of the night, where everybody'd go do their own mics, or we'd all hit our uh, the same mic together but 
we knew that if we needed to hang out really, really late, that the porch was available. And it was, it felt like this magic area because, dude, we were so freaking loud. Oh, yeah. On the front porch. And we never got noise complaints ever. No, well, because it was like, like the place you lived in, it was like a house in front of an apartment building, but the porch was facing away from that building yeah so the noise would go out towards a public park on the other side yeah, like a and public it was park slash water like community pool so like at yeah. that hour it's closed no one's there so yeah. you just do whatever so we the wanted. noise would go out that way and then on the left side was crackheads <laughs> and meth heads and stuff like that and yeah. then on the other side it was just like it was like an Ar- armenian uh apartment complex like that like mainly armenian people live there and like i feel like they don't want to call the cops like so they're just like there's like they're like whatever kind of thing yeah so it was kind of a perfect bubble yeah and it was so centrally located like you're saying like even if we all did different mics across the city your place was like in the middle of it all yeah it was in hollywood and then there's tons of just parking where you could just park on which is rare for hollywood easy parking central and then open as late as we want so porch hang was always open i remember what i would do is uh the hang would go so late sometimes and I would have to work at Starbucks the next day or whatever, where I would start dropping hints where I would slowly start getting ready for bed. One article of clothing at a time where when, by the time I was in basketball shorts and then when I was in glasses, basketball shorts. And then after I brushed my teeth, then I was like, all right, you guys gotta go. I got, (laughs) I have to. I have to go to sleep now. It'd be, yeah. it'd be like four in the morning or whatever, five almost. <laughs> it's funny that to wait till you're brushing your teeth, like a very obvious, like I'm going to bed now, and we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah this open mic, blah, oh, blah. Yeah. Riffing, like, oh yeah, still, still going, just riffing, going hard. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those were the days. We had a porch mic even in my front lawn. Where if you look at the photos of the comics who did the the open mic in my front lawn, a lot of them are like very very successful comics now that yeah. that, that that did this. I remember I think it was Gil or somebody took photos like of the the mic, and it was there's a lot of people who like are very successful comics uh, that did that mic, and that was probably like 12 years ago or 11 years ago. And it was just kind of cool to see. I'll have to try to find those to include some of those photos in, in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty dope. It is crazy. Like doing these random, like cafe, coffee shop, open mics, yeah. porch, open mics, laundromat, open mics. Yeah. With someone who goes on to be like the Bill Burr of our generation or whatever. Yeah. Like you, you, you really never know who's going to end up, popping and being like the breakout person out of your group um i think we all knew early on also because it started happening early uh like at the open mics stuff like that just witnessing it gerard carmichael in our group was you there's certain people that get plucked i call it Mm -hmm. because it's so rare that i don't think it's fair to really say uh like this person made it earlier or whatever because also mating making it is a very relative term uh yeah. to whoever whatever comic you follow but i feel like some comics get plucked from obscurity and they get on a path where they start like all of a sudden you're like oh they were doing open mics like a couple of years ago and now they're like 
a regular on a TV show or they've got an HBO special or they've got like a like a, a full on career career. Yeah. That's real interesting. That was that was an interesting one uh to see for sure, like firsthand. That was like the first one I saw where I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. Especially yeah. coming from Kansas and like Texas and stuff, you see that you're like, Oh, it's possible. It's just like it's you're like baffled by it. I remember we were at the open mic, uh the iOS open mic. It was a late night Sunday open mic, and I can't remember if I was hosting or not, but Gerard stops in, and but he, he got there after it started, mm-hmm. so he I, I must have been hosting because I think I asked him like, oh, did you want to get on the list? He's like, oh no no no, it's all right it's all right, and I was just like catching up with him like, hey man like well, you know what's up I you know I haven't seen you this past week, and normally you see you'd see Gerard every week at every open mic, and I didn't see him like for a couple of weeks. So I was like, oh where you been? And he was like, oh, it's just, you know, like JFL or whatever. And I was like so naive about it all. Uh, I was just like, I don't remember what I asked him, but basically whatever I asked him, I could tell he was like, oh, bless your heart. Like, you don't know. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like a crazy thing of like, oh, I see him at open mic. So, you know, yeah, I we're just doing assumed, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then we were very clearly not doing the same thing. Mm hmm. I think it was either in that conversation or another conversation where I I asked him where he was and he said he was some like some city and I was like I don't remember if I asked like uh I, I think I asked him like oh were you headlining and he's just kind of like yeah <laughs> and I was like oh that's so cool uh, yeah 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 I think uh just seeing anybody that you know firsthand doing the thing that that like sometimes feels very elusive yeah is fun and cool because you're you're just like oh you're doing the thing i want to be doing how (laughs) how do you get there yeah there's so yeah it seems so far off yeah it's such an invisible ladder especially starting off doing an open mic you're like "Ah, where do i even begin Mm -hmm. yeah and now, years later, we're on the road doing our own shows. Driving through wheat fields. Wheat fields. Very golden wheat fields. I don't even think this is wheat. I think it's just yellow grass. I'm starting to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's burnt up grass. Yeah. But it looks like it's got it look, a, yeah, it looks a little like bit golden. of shag to it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, what was... um. Uh, you did uh, you did uh, the CBS Diversity Showcase. Um, you were one of the writers on that. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw your show. It was very good, by the way. Um, what was that process like for somebody who's wanted to get into um, something, you know, like apply for like a writing showcase or like a character showcase or something like that, like at a, a network level? Because that's like a very revered, uh, respected uh, uh, thing that... that that is put on uh, for like a lot of people to showcase different people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a great, amazing opportunity. I really enjoyed it. However, <laughs> they like run it differently now. So it would be hard to apply for that specific one gotcha. now. Gotcha. Um, Cause basically the way, and, and my year was very interesting because we were the transition year where literally halfway through, we changed our longtime director, uh, the guy who was like 
running this showcase for the past whatever it was, like 10 years, mm. he, uh, not that he got me too but it was like during this wave of... <laughs> he got me three a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. he, he, like, he's very old school, so he would just say, like, some things. <laughs> yeah, let's come over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, darling, you want to make it in this down? Uh, it wasn't like that egregious, but like he would just say things that were. Uh, he didn't have a casting couch. He had a casting futon. <laughs> <laughs> a casting foldout. Let's just say that uh, uh, <laughs> it was a couch that I identified as something else. Yeah, uh, but he and then the the woman above him, like executive, they were just like old school, like. Like, you're too fat for this sketch or whatever. Like, very superficial. Yeah. And he he also, like, maybe this was a thing, like, in the 90s. He also very much was, like, checking off boxes. Like, every showcase started with, like, a, a roll call musical sketch where it's like, blah, 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 where did... We're doing diversity. We got the black guy, the Mexican, the person in the wheelchair. Like, they're literally just... Just saying it. it out loud? Yeah, yeah. And that's how every showcase opened like up until my year like, so we have some notes on the opening <laughs> diversity cold open yeah so our year it was like along with the whole me too wave of like people were just fed up with that stuff and like finally like you know putting their foot their feet down of like we're not going to work with these people and so cbs as a network removed them Dang. from the show but it was like halfway through like we were this is a months-long program. We were two or three months in, and then they brought in a new director, uh, co-directors, and they were former uh, performers on the showcase. Um, and so, yeah, so just halfway through, we had to pivot. Uh, but even, like, so before my year, I was told they would hire, like, not hire because we weren't getting paid, but they would accept, like, 100 or, like, 80 to 100 writers, right? And everyone's just submitting sketches, because they're just they were playing a numbers game, trying to get as many sketches as they could, and then pick out the good ones yeah. to then use uh, to put on for the showcase of performance. For my year, they whittled it down to like thirty or forty, oh, wow. which is still like a lot. Um, but I think they because the time commitment was like during the week, like two days during the week. <clears throat> you didn't have to, but if you could, you know, chances are you'd build better connections and hopefully submit more sketches that would get uh, included in the final showcase. Mm -hmm. And then some people just couldn't make it because like their day job. So I think again, like a numbers game, like we're just going to accept 40, but maybe only 20 will show regularly and submit sketches regularly. Um, so, and then after my year, it changed again where they were only looking at previous performers to be writers for that year. Gotcha. So that's why I was saying it's, I don't think it's, as feasible now to do that program as a writer it seems like the route now is you uh audition to be a performer an actor and then the then next they might year have you be a yeah, writer they might ask you back yeah. to come back and help write sketches for the next year's performers okay um but all that being said uh it was i enjoyed it still um at the time i had like a part-time job where i was able to make it to as many of these um rehearsals as i could because my thinking was a i'm able to i have the time and b 
I want to get as much out of this program as I can. Yeah, so of course. my personal goal was I want to submit a sketch for every rehearsal, which was crazy. Cause like I said, it was two rehearsals a week for the first like two or three months mm. or two months. And then three rehearsals a week after that. And so I was just like trying to pump out as much material as I could trying to co-write sketches with a bunch of other of the writers you know, trying to get friendly, not like just for network purposes, networking purposes, but also just like because the actors were like some of the funniest comedic actors I've ever known. Mm -hmm. um, they're all like, you know, UCB, Groundling, Second City improviser actors. Uh, so they're like funny, like the riffing with them was like great, too. Uh, and one of the guys that I met from that program, like he's still one of my really good friends. Like uh, I think Kylie and I are going to try to hang out with him, him and his girlfriend next week. But, um, but yeah, like I just loved all the actors. They were all so nice and so cool and just like collaborating with them, learning how to collaborate on sketches and like getting feedback from the actors, you know, like with the characters that they like to play and like how they envision, you know, whatever sketch. How to take their notes yeah, and all yeah. that. Yeah. It was very helpful. Cause like if you just do writing, you know, like you might, whatever's in your head, you try to get it on the page as well as you can but then when the actor gets it they're like like uh i don't know like this doesn't work or like yeah, I, don't I think... see it more like this yeah whatever. yeah and yeah. uh it's really important to like learn how to take those notes and like really understand their their input take their input because they understand you know how it's gonna go from the page to performance um page to stage the page baby. to the stage so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that whole process. And it led to uh, a couple of cool opportunities. Like afterward, um, it kind of indirectly led to me uh, working for Will Smith's production company for a couple months. That's dope. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and in that, that job, I kind of got a taste for like what a writer's room could feel like. Because with the sketch the rehearsals like you would submit your sketches overnight and then they would just pick the ones they wanted to do dry rehearsal of dry read of yeah uh the day of so there wasn't much collaboration in the rehearsal it was like you'd meet it with the writers off hours or with the actors um but this was like we were all in a room we were like pitching ideas for like videos that will smith could shoot it was at the time where i don't know if you remember but there was like a point where he really like ramped up his online presence yeah 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 he like made it a point to like oh i'm gonna go hard on youtube instagram whatever mm -hmm. and so his yeah. product his production company westbrook entertainment uh there was like this team of us where we were like pitching and trying to come up with ideas for for his channel um so yeah that was really cool i enjoyed that too that's awesome yeah speaking of sketch omar and i were in a uh, sketch group called gringo for a uh how long do you think that was a year year and a half yeah i think i think uh somewhere around there yeah maybe two years maybe two years yeah oh yeah because we did seasons yeah there we was did multiple se we did three seasons right was there a third season i think so okay it's never a good sign to uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um do you have a favorite sketch that we did out of the gringo sketches because what i might do to close the episode is i might put that sketch yeah. at the end if i can find uh that sketch hmm. is there any that comes come to mind at you, all you know like 
every now and then, uh, like Facebook memories will show me when, whenever we were promoting these sketches years ago, it'll be like, you know, it's been whatever, eight years since, yeah. uh, the competition or whatever. Yeah. Like, and so I'll just like watch them and be like, man, I think these are really funny. Like, some of them, are, some of them are legit yeah, funny. Like some I, of them are I legit really funny. am sad that they didn't get as much like views as I wanted them to. Yeah. Um, the, f- I don't remember if it was our first sketch, but uh, the one where John is mugging us, I think that's <laughs> like one of the tighter sketches. That one um, got the hands. One. Yeah. That one got uh, that. That was like a finalist in a funnier die competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so I, that one, that was one of the, in my opinion, I agree with you. One of the tighter sketches. Yeah. That we did shoot that like felt like that, very much of that era. The zooming in, zooming mm-hmm. out, like kind of, like kind of all over the place. Uh, yeah. Style. Um, I'll I'll see if I can I can find that, and if there's not copyrighted music in it, then I'll add it into a, yeah, add it into this guy. Um, and then the other one that I just personally like, cause I think it's so silly is, uh, I think it was, I want to say it's the competition, but I think we titled it with the French, like Le Competition. Right, right, It was like right. so bizarre. Like it was black and white. There's like that, like, yeah. uh, like choir, like, oh, ah, yeah. and then we're like, it's a silent sketch other than the music. Yeah. But it's we subtitled. Have, like, subtitles in French. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very, very out there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why. I just, I watch it and I think it's so silly. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a handful of uh, ones that were really funny. Some of them, we, some of them we kind of swung for the fences with. Um, yeah. Some of them were, were pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that hell sketch that we did. Do you oh, remember yeah, that yeah. one? Hell. That was a, hell. that was a, that was a pretty dark, uh, some of those lines were pretty dark and yeah um you know the classic big dick gill i mean that's a banger that was an original music video yeah that we shot about our our friend gil garibaldo um super fun and uh a, a song that came from us just nicknaming our friend big dick gill uh after a point uh there was a version that i made uh there was gonna be if we made more called small dick john <laughs> i don't know if you ever listened to that version i don't think i have but dude i sent i sent it to john like a fully written out like version of that recorded and he's like yeah cool <laughs> he's like yeah all right well yeah we don't have to shoot that one <laughs> yeah i think poor john i think there were a few sketches that he didn't want to shoot that yeah we well of... yeah he he was he was definitely like he found himself as kind of like the butt of the joke in some of the sketches for sure yeah well there was one where uh <laughs> like the recovery or i don't remember if that's what it's called where it's like where he's a recovering alcoholic and uh but he finds different ways to he doesn't drink alcohol but he finds different ways to get alcohol into his system oh yeah 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 and uh and yeah he I remember him not really liking that one and he was like my mom's gonna watch this and it's like like yeah you're like hey man our moms are all not proud of us for different reasons <laughs> join the club <laughs> yeah uh yeah dude but yeah but it, it was definitely uh one of those things where 
I think that um, we did the absolute best with the production and everything that we could for mm. where we were at in our careers and the money that we had to put into it and stuff like that. Yeah. We, we tried to make it look and sound as good as possible, but I also remember the boom mic sometimes being like, you know, very, very rigged. Yeah. And I, I mean, there were also like quite a few sketches that we shot that we just didn't put out because they they're like the technical end up aspects looking. yeah yeah like where i was i would get it and i was like oh no this the sound was unusable i was like this sound is awful it's yeah. legit like <laughs> like the whole time and it takes you out of it yeah that was that was the thing with shout out to um uh some guys who were doing it around the same time as that figured out the technical aspect was a group called dead kevin Oh, yeah. This is around the time Dead Kevin and Goatface uh, were the two sketch groups in L.A. where I was like, these guys freaking are na- – I don't know who their team is or whatever, but they were nailing it. And Aristotle, Adira, great uh, director and um, went on to do Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. USC film grad, he was oh. very good with his – the technical aspects and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, had – you know, those guys had the budget to, to – uh, they invested in themselves to to make and sound uh, all their sketches look really good and stuff like that. But um, you know who else had um, had oh, a women. really good women. That was uh, good. Jake Wiseman's group. Uh, yeah, Hush Money. Do you remember them? They were, I guess, like maybe the, a class of comics that just came in right after us. It was like Ben Bazuna, Monica. Oh yeah, dude, their sketches had really good production yeah. quality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were really funny, too. Yeah. I remember uh, Ben Bazuna. Um, uh, he um, had some sketches go very viral mm-hmm. at that time, which I was like, whoa. Like, anytime you see a, a comic buddy, especially back then, it was so much yeah. so much harder in a way to go viral. It's even hard, it's harder in a different way to go viral now. But viral was longer lasting back then where you could use that as like a credit if one video went viral you're like this dude has a viral video on youtube that was like a credit yeah where now it's like if you have a million viewers on an instagram clip that's great and it's huge but it's like you can't use that as like a, a thing yeah yeah because um, it's more common for people to go viral now the way the internet works and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh but yeah, uh, dude, it's been awesome having you uh, on the podcast, uh, on the roadcast, going down some memory lane. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug or anything uh, like that? Um, let's see. Plugging. Uh, I think if this comes up, well, actually, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I should confirm with Justin Alexio first. I think he told me I was going to do his... Uh, Bubusas and Punchlines show again. Oh, heck yeah. That's a great show. Yeah, but I, I got to double check with him. He, he gave me the date of December 1st. But. So uh, follow Omar on Instagram yeah. uh, for his uh, updates on his shows and stuff. And it's Omar X Nava? At Omar X Nava. At Omar X Nava on Instagram. Uh, love you, buddy. Hope we get to do, and we will do, many more of these gigs. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, uh, give Omar a follow. He's just a good dude, funny guy, and uh, someone you want to surround yourself with <laughs> in this crazy world. 
Yeah, you, you make it to the inner circle, you might get yourself an invite to a queso party. He makes phenomenal queso to the point where some people might think I'm gluttonous when I go over to his house parties for that. All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.